Hi, you're listening to Dancewell Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ellie Kushner, and I want to let you know about our current fundraising campaign. Marissa and I love this project, and we will happily continue donating our time and effort to bring you 360 degrees of health and wellness information. However, at the moment, we have some expenses that we can't meet with our personal funds. So we're asking you, our smart listeners, to please lend us a hand. If you're ready to support the valuable content you get from Dancewell Podcast, visit our website, www.dancewellpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook. And now, on with this episode. Hi, this is Ellie Kushner from Dancewell Podcast, and today I'm sitting with Lindsay Fisher. She and I just got out of ballet class, and we're having some impassioned conversation about strength training, um, and we'd love to share some ideas with you. Lindsay Fisher, Viatori, yes, is um, a very accomplished dancer. I know her from her days dancing in New York. You name the genre, she's done it. She's been in film, she's been in musical theater, she's done commercial work, uptown, downtown, ballet, (laughs) you name it, her feet have done it. Um, And she's currently an assistant professor at Slippery Rock University, um, just outside of the Pittsburgh uh, metropolitan area in Pennsylvania. And when I first met Lindsay, we were dancing together and she was helping to subsidize her dance career with personal training. She worked as a personal trainer at Equinox Gym. And though she doesn't currently work as a personal trainer, she's continued to work um, in this area of strength and conditioning. She does some fitness modeling and has, you know, she's one of the strongest dancers (laughs) I know. (laughs) We'll get into the specifics of that. (laughs) Um, And today we want to talk about the benefits and also the limitations of strength training as it pertains to dancers. Mm -hmm. So, um, Lindsay, why don't you start by just sort of giving us a a narrative account of how you came to be doing fitness work Mm. in the first place. Well, I really came to it by financial necessity. I was, you know, doing the freelance hustle in New York City and I was young and I wasn't happy doing all these other side jobs. And I had friends that were working as personal trainers at, the, at an Equinox gym in the city. And they, were, they said, you know, with your background in dance and anatomy and kinesiology, this would be a really good fit for you. And so I went and I, and I got that job and then got really into the fitness industry. And I remember having really conflicted feelings about it because growing up, it was very much, don't do that, you'll get bulky, don't do this, you'll, you'll get tight, you'll lose your flexibility. You'll... So I remember starting into the fitness field with a very dancerly approach to how I trained clients, and I actually started realizing that I wasn't seeing any benefits personally on my own physique. So flash forward um, a couple of years, and my current husband, we, he and I reconnected before we got married, and we were workout partners together. And he's the one that actually said, you can lift way more than that. Like, you can lift a lot more weight than you're lifting. And of course, the dancer in me was like, oh my God, I'm going to get bulky. I'm going to get over, you know, my body's going to be really clunky, and it's not going to work. And what I saw was that my body changed so much in a short period of time, and in my mid-30s, I had been working out prior to this, but in my mid-30s, I was dancing stronger than I was in my 20s. Um, 
simply because I had kind of supplemented with more strength training, actual strength training, not um, superficial exercises to, you know, um, for aesthetic muscles. I was really strength training. Um, but I realized that the reason my dancing was getting stronger was because I had maintained this level of technique throughout. So it's something that I definitely, now that I'm talking with students in the, at the collegiate level, and they're always asking me about my workout regimen, which I laugh because I'm you know, much older than they are, so it's different <laughs> than what they can be doing. Um, but it, I think it's actually kept my body healthy and dancing longer than I would have had I not implemented some form of strength training conditioning regimen to my practice. So you said um, that when you first started, you were using a very dancerly approach mm -hmm. to fitness. So describe a dancerly approach so, to fitness. And I guess I can say this because I'm now on the other side of it, where I would train clients and I would use really light weights. Like we're going to use... What's a lightweight? Um, okay, so for me, um, five pounds. In, the, in the fitness industry, when we talk about, you, need, you know, you want to do more weight, less reps. Um, a dancerly approach is like, I'm going to lift seven and a half pounds 72 times, and that's going to make me like really cut up. Well, you're, it's no, it's not because right. if you can do anything 72 any times, <laughs> yeah, it's not doing anything. But I really was like, oh, 10 pounds, like, yeah, we should do this with 10 pounds. Um, let's say, like, for instance, a chest press, like, oh, let's use 10 pound dumbbells. So that was my dancerly approach. That was what I used to bench press with dumbbells when I was. First personal training and now well, well, I was gonna say okay Lindsay how much do you bench press well now? if I'm thinking dumbbell like two at a time dumbbell bench press I can do like 40 pounds in, in each, each hand. hand yeah okay. for for about eight to ten and if you're doing a bar if I'm doing a bar I can do 145 she can press 145 okay so <laughs> and not you, and, ten times and, but and you deadlift how much well, it depends on how many reps. Okay, so <laughs> just to clarify, a deadlift is basically you bend over, you pick something really heavy it's up. It's like lifting off the dead weight. That's why they call it a, a deadlift. deadlift. And yeah. so, how much? How much can you deadlift? Um, my one rep max was one set, or I'm sorry, two seventy five. Okay, so one time you can lift two seventy five. Two seventy five. Right, yeah. and I'm saying all this not to like make Lindsay brag, but more because I think dancers often really don't have. A perspective on what can be moved. Dancers are really strong. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that they um, don't realize. Like, think about training and dance. Think about how many plies you have right. done pressing in your, your lifetime. Own body weight up and pressing down. your own your own body weight, just an elevate. Like using all of those refining muscles, the calves, the you know, the plantar flexors. All of that is involved in a squat. Like you need that as a finishing exercise to lift a bar across your shoulders. And so when I first started squatting, I was watching all of these other like non-dancer people squatting and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I should squat like, you know, 55 pounds. And then a friend of mine came over and was like, Lindsay, you can squat way more than that. So then I just for kicks was like, okay, well, I'll do 135. And, you know, that I did 135 for like 15 reps. So I was like, well, that's not heavy enough if I can do it that many times. So I regularly squat like 155 to 185. Now, my husband always laughs and he's like, you are stupidly strong for like, uh, you're like an elite athlete strong, but I don't see it that way because um, I think all dancers are actually that strong. Yeah. It's just that we've been training in a different way. 
And so by now, we're capable of lifting way more than we think. Right. Okay, so let's talk for a second, not about the limitations, but about what all goes into moving heavy weight around. Because, mm -hmm. so the Australian Ballet recently, there was an article that was circulating around social media about how the Australian Ballet, which has an amazing conditioning mm -hmm. and medical team, um, was discouraging stretching. And mm -hmm. they really have found that a lot of dancer injuries are the result of inadequacy, inadequate strength or endurance. And mm -hmm. so they talked about wanting dancers to do both heavy reps, or heavy weight limited reps, okay, and also some lightweight mm -hmm. many reps. And when you talk about a dancer being strong, I think something else that dancers have is a lot of coordination, mm -hmm. right? So even if you're doing a squat, that might seem simple to us to as us. dancers choreographically, but in order to organize your pelvis and know the difference mm -hmm. between flexing your spine versus flexing your mm -hmm. hip to make that differentiation in the lumbar pelvic region, or to take a cue from a trainer when they say, drive your heels into the ground and be able to instantly transform mm -hmm. that into mo mo motion and a change is part of what's contributing to the strength. Exactly. Right? Well, and that's one of the things I remember when I was training in New York City, anyone who ever had previous dance training that came to me saw results quickly because you can cue them so quickly. You drop your shoulders and they can do it instantly. Whereas my non-dancing or non, you know, like somatic people mm -hmm. had a really difficult time. I'd say drop your shoulders and their shoulders would be up by their ears and they're like, I am. And I'm like, oh, but you're not, you know? So I think because dance is so mind-body okay. that we can quickly tap into the efficient way to move if we're mindful of it. Exactly. So then that's the next step is that I feel um, where we're at in dance, where strength training is concerned, I feel like I see either dancers who are still really afraid to lift weight mm -hmm. or there's this push coming from sports science to, to just, you know, train, 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 strength, strength, strength. Mm -hmm. Or even you were saying some of your students just think they can fitness themselves into better dance yes. habits. And mm -hmm. I think, so now let's talk about, um, like, what is that mindfulness? And this is where somatics mm -hmm. or Pilates or things where you're moving less weight, mm -hmm. but you're doing it in a very mindful, engaged um, thoughtful, attentive to details sort of manner comes into play. Yes. Right? So what are the limitations, I guess I'm saying, of um, strength training? Or, or what does it need to be paired with in order to be I effective? should say, I don't, I don't necessarily think there are specific limitations to strength training. I, I think if that's all you're doing, then that's the limitation, is that that's mm -hmm. all you're doing. Right. Um, I don't think that there's a component of strength training that then would limit you as a dancer. What I think limits you is only doing one thing. If you're only going to class and you're not supplementing with some kind of strength and conditioning program, dance just doesn't prepare you for some of the feats that you need on stage. Um, but then if you're only, you know, in the gym and not going to class, then that's, you know, then you're not getting the technique that you need for class. But then if you're only doing those, and then you expect your leg to just like batma up by your head. If you haven't done any kind of flexibility training or any kind of you know core strengthening to help you maintain pirouettes, then it's it's really asking a lot of these of these very um, uh, 
specific, specific training programs. Training programs. Right. So. I really look at dance training. It, it always bothered me when I would see little um, younger dancers, like very little ones, that their parents would put them in dance for weight loss. And I remember thinking, this is the absolute worst place like, for your child <laughs> for to so be. For so many reasons. <laughs> like, this is the worst place for your child to be. Like, they should play soccer. Or they, because the nature of dance is not cardiovascular. So even thinking about that and then knowing that the rep that some of these students are doing is very cardiovascular. Well, how are you supplementing? Because your ballet class, your modern class, your improvisation class may be barely getting you there, but not preparing you for an evening like exactly. work. So right. I, I just think there needs, not there needs to be, I would encourage people to really look at having the most well-rounded um, wellness and training and strengthening program that they can find. Mm -hmm. Given the limitations of their day-to-day -day life. Given yeah. the limitations of their day-to-day -day life. One thing that was really um, reiterated in my training in dance science at Trinity Laban was this idea that, um, you know, there's a lot of technique involved mm -hmm. in dance. That, you know, you have to, it's not just run from here as quickly mm -hmm. as possible mm -hmm. to there. It's um, run from here to there with this quality in and your upper body. And this as well. Yeah, and this you know, shape in your foot and all of those things. So when we're in dance class, we're training all of those technique mm -hmm. and aesthetic um, issues. But just like you said, when we get on stage, so there's a lot of stop and go. Mm -hmm. right? In dance a class, it's like, let's stop and talk about that. Let's do it again. Let's visualize it. Let's, let's sample it slowly a few times. Okay, now let's do it. And yet when we get to the stage, then there's we no have to perform. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you might be in a piece where you have to do, you know, depending on your genre, you might do 20 minutes to two and a half hours right. of, you know, moderate to high intensity mm -hmm. interval dancing. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, so a, a dancer maybe should practice that mm -hmm. <laughs> during the semester. Like if Absolutely. we're talking about collegiate dancers, um, they should maybe prepare mm -hmm. for that, Absolutely. that change. And how, so how do you advise students to do that given um, the complexities of their I, lives I, and schedules? I think usually somewhere in the semester, somewhere, mm, let's see, a couple of weeks, not a couple of weeks, halfway through the semester I'd say, um, when the students look really haggard and mm -hmm. they are, they are, they are just spread exhausted, thin. spread thin, um, everyone has been sick tired. over and over, yeah. just when you can see there's no more progress happening, it's just... They're there because they know an absence lowers their grade. Yes. But in reality, I don't think they should be there that day because <laughs> they, we're not building. They need like a rest day. So that's usually a day where I'll sit down and I'll ask, like, what are your plans for winter break? Yeah. Um, you know, what are you planning on doing? And then I really will say on the way our university works, there's a five-week winter break, yeah. um, which is quite long. And so I say to them, that's too long of a time to do nothing as a dancer. And I oftentimes say, for those of you that are really interested in, you know, a winter intensive somewhere, that's a great time to supplement because then you get some rest, yeah. um, a few weeks of rest, and then you can go to a winter intensive. But I really then encourage them to look at some kind of training regimen in that time, because then you're not over training technique, but you're maybe building some strength. You're maybe rehabilitating some injuries. Um, you may be adding a somatic practice, a yoga, a gyrotonics, a Pilates practice into your, um, into your toolbox of what you can use. 
but I really encourage them on their, on their downtime. But the biggest thing I think is that year to year break, that summer break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the, the other hard thing is, you know, students say, Oh, winter, like there's a concert coming up and I want to be in shape and prepared for it. So then they try and like do this kamikaze, like I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lift all of in this the weight two weeks before in the two show. weeks because I want to look really good in this costume. And you're like, that's you not don't want to, I don't know how to say it. that's not how it works because they're so, they think that's how it works. And all I keep thinking is you're just burning, 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 burning calories, but you're not building any muscle or it, you're, you're so run down. This is not the time to do it. Right. Like you should be doing that in a downtime so that it's built up for when your body is depleted and then you're already there. Not trying to like run a marathon, carrying something on your back juggling something it's it's too many variables at that time to then add that kind of strength training into your into your programming so I really encourage them over the summer and one of the things at our university which is really nice is we implemented a yoga teacher training seminar in the summer and a lot of our students have taken advantage of it and I think it's really smart um it's another way to be mindful and you know this this um both mind-body connection, spiritual connection, as well as somatic practice that is really helpful for dance. But um, that's really what I encourage them to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily think starting a new program during the most intense time of your training is the smartest idea. But like we talked about earlier today, 20 minutes in the gym once a week is not difficult to find time to do, mm-hmm. to start learning how to build that muscle. Um, and then eventually you can build up in the downtime so yeah. that your body has the time to recover. Let's, um, and then let's talk about what they do. So I, Lindsay sort of introduced me to good old-fashioned <laughs> weightlifting. Um, I mean, I, I vaguely knew about it, but like a lot of dancers, I, I kind of am drawn towards choreography. Yes, <laughs> you know? of course. So we, Lindsay and I were talking earlier about things like suspension systems, right? And um, which have been really well validated as a conditioning program for dancers. But um, you know, or we, we're, Lindsay was joking about dancers wanting to you know lie on a ball and then lift a weight and then tie the leg around this. Yeah. And, um, so tell me about the benefits of good old fashioned. Bend pressing, squatting, deadlifting, shoulder pressing. Um, Well, I think it's safe to say we all want to do what we're good at. (laughs) We just do. We want to look good doing what we do. So if we're flexible, we want to come into class and like lay in a split and prepare. (laughs) And that's just, it's ego. It really is. And when you think about it like, oh, that's ego. That's not what I need. It's what I want to do to like puff my feathers up to get ready for what I'm going to do. Instead of, you know, good old-fashioned weight training. And, and I mean, there's a lot of science out there as well saying that good old-fashioned weight training isn't necessarily as beneficial as it used to be anymore. But for someone that maybe hasn't ever done any strength training, I think the good old-fashioned strength training is smart. Because it's, you know, when you lie on a bench and you're doing a bench press, your spine is in a stable athletic stance and there's no way that your spine can then readjust and you can slip a disc while you're on a Swiss ball doing some kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy thing. 
So there are, I mean, it is kind of brilliant in the way that it was set up, just that, you know, you're on a stable surface, you have a wide athletic stance, your base of support is very wide, it's very strong, you're not going to fall anywhere, mm -hmm. um, and you're literally just working in range of motion. Mm -hmm. You're just working in planes of motion and your range of motion. Learning um, about that joint and learning those muscle about groups, those muscle and, groups and those joints. And, and integrating know, them into your core, ideally. Absolutely. And that's where dancers have a leg up, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> they do. They have a leg up because they already are so used to being like, oh, I want to feel my abdominals working there because, you know, if they're working, then I'm... I'm continually getting better or whatever. But dancers can really, you know, they can just tap into that. Whereas the lay person, you have to remind them uh -huh. all the time. Like, please, you know, push from here, exhale, and engage your abdominals as you're pushing this weight away from you. But dancers really can tap into that really quickly. Um, but yeah, the, the benefits of all of these, you know, I remember thinking the first time I did just a standard squat, my adductors were so fried mm -hmm. after I was done because dance for me was so externally rotated. Mm -hmm. um, I had external rotation down, you know, mm -hmm. my, my rotators, my quads were very strong from, you know, jumping. My hamstrings were really strong, but when I squatted, it's almost as if the weakest muscles get the most benefit from those exercises because squatting isn't turned out. It's mm -hmm. in a wide, um, athletic stance, and, and so you can't you can't sneak into your comfort place. No, you're kind of you like can't. you're really rooted, you're really grounded. You can't just sort of pivot your heel. It's too heavy. You're not. Yeah, it's yeah. too heavy, and you really just get functional. It's kind of like um, it reminds me a little bit of when I teach ballet and I teach big jumps, and I see so many students trying to jump from their ankles, mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're trying to use these little finishing muscles that do really great things for your feet and ankles to take. Like for instance, I weigh 130 pounds. pounds. Yeah. Like, how can these? I always say to my students, those muscles look like chicken, like French fries. Like yeah. that's how big they are, and you're asking them to lift 130 pounds off the floor. That's what your that's glutes ridiculous. are for. Ridiculous! Like that's why you use the big muscles. And I realized, oh my gosh, I hadn't been training some of those muscles as as deeply as I should have been training them. And that's one of the things that strength training really did for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you were talking. Oh, also in terms of the simple, the simplicity of weight training, I, I think in some ways we want to condition for our activity, mm -hmm. right? This is a golden rule of conditioning. Mm -hmm. Like if you do all turned out stuff, you maybe want to do some squats turned mm -hmm. out because mm -hmm. that's how you're going to use that. Mm -hmm. But also we want to balance, right? Wanna so balance. if we're turned out all the time, we should probably work in parallel to find mm -hmm. a little balance. So similarly, I often think with dancers, we do so many complicated moves through space in multi-planar mm -hmm. actions that there's a benefit to doing monoplanar actions. D right, direct it really simple. and just working in one plane. Yeah, because we yeah. don't really do that so much right. um, in our in our day-to-day -day class training. But I do think, I mean, but then again, there's part of me that really agrees with this idea, like gyrokinesis and gyrotonics, like I think it's brilliant and, and the way that it is moving and, and continually flowing through different movement patterns. But again, I, I do think like just one mode is... I don't want to say dangerous, but just one mode kind of keeps you from having a lot to pull from. Right. So I'm not saying like strength training is the only way. I'm just saying it's one thing we should be thinking about, like this traditional strength training thing. We should be thinking about it uh -huh. and still utilizing 
Pilates and gyrokinesis and yoga and Alexander and technique, Alexander and, technique yeah. and all of breathing this. <laughs> yes and learn and like all, finding your pelvic floor you yeah. know all of that is really really important that one isn't more important than the other yeah and I think it's hard because we get into a um, a dilemma from a programming standpoint mm-hmm. you know because we know that one of the biggest risks for injury among dancers is um, overtraining. overtraining. <laughs> and they're just completely overtrained. Yeah. <laughs> because of the academic calendar. Yeah. So it's just like add, add, add. And of course, nobody wants to take away dance training. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels like they just need more dance, they just need more dance. Um, and so what we end up doing is just piling on more and mm-hmm. more and more. And it's a problem. So, and you know, sometimes I think like in one of the programs that I teach at, we have a lot of dancers who. Are, are not super experienced. Mm-hmm. So they may have gone to dance class three times a week mm-hmm. before they came to college, and now mm-hmm. they're having two dance classes a week every day, or two, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, two dance classes a day, day. all week long, plus rehearsals, mm-hmm. plus other, you know, plus everything else. Think about the load, yeah. the increase in load Ex- on their body. Exactly. That's a, that's a huge difference. Exactly, and I know, you know, I've worked at programs where they've tried to really be conscientious, say, during the summer, about building, you know, yes. like let's not have 12 year olds come in and do five days of one hour point class when they may only take 30 two minutes at home. Yeah. Right. Two 30 minute classes at mm-hmm. home. Let's, let's build up until by the third week of the program, they're exactly. really doing a lot more. So I think, um, it would be nice to see whether it's local studios or colleges or, um, dance studios, elite programs. It'd be nice to see people kind of experimenting mm-hmm. and playing and um, taking some risks and exploring different programming choices. I also think a piece of this, and I think it's just because it's been on my mind lately, is is not necessarily quantity, but quality. And I think a lot of that quality is mindfulness. Yeah. You know, how much mindfulness are the students really approaching their classes with? Right. And I think the mindful student can take less technique classes and benefit. But I think some of the students that are just going through the motions, because these are the motions, in a, until they can find that mindfulness and, and learn that mind-body connection of, I call it like All self-correcting. Mm-hmm. You know, I can feel when something isn't connected and I can self-correct, but... I'm trying to encourage my students to be able to do that. Yeah. I think totally. I've been thinking about that a lot too, where it's like really the first step is just feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like whether it's weight training or dance, you know, I was um, joking with Lindsay today um, after bar that like, I'm not very well conditioned right now. And when I have to do a combination in ballet class with my arm in second position, I'm fatigued in my shoulders <laughs> by the right. end. And you know, that's, and I was saying that that's a perfect example of if I did more conditioning, those muscles wouldn't be burdened by the task of being in second position. Mm-hmm. And I could then take that energy and, and place devote it to it something else. Somewhere else. And not just physical energy, but mental load too. Mm-hmm. It starts to distract me that my mm-hmm. arms feel achy. And they're burning. Right. Yeah. And, and I was saying this to Lindsay and she was saying, yeah, but you know, like we're experienced, like some new developing dancers, 
they don't even notice that their arms are tired. Mm-hmm. They just start falling apart. They don't know why. They don't know why. They don't even realize that something is fatiguing and something else is taking over. Yeah. So I guess the question is, how do we develop more mindful dancers? Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's. I think that then increases the quality of their training when they're really more mindful. Um, so that maybe the quantity can, I don't want to say lower, but can be unburdened slightly so that they can get rest Mm -hmm. so that their body doesn't feel just trained into the ground. Because my question is, we're taking this many classes, half of the students might be aware of their mindfulness and half of them aren't. So the ones that are really mindful are probably mentally exhausted by the end of all of these classes. And so the thought then of going into you know, a repertory situation where they're then learning choreography and incorporating all of this mindfulness, it's too much. But then the student who's not mindful, they can just keep taking classes and keep taking classes and keep t- t- taking classes because that connection isn't there. So they're not as, um, I don't, they're not taxing as many different sensory outputs in their body as yeah. the really mindful dancer. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a great, you know, one year I was at the International Association of Dance Medicine and Science Conference, mm-hmm. and a teacher stood up and said, I don't understand why some of my students are getting overtraining injuries because, you know, they're all doing the same training and some of them are getting overtraining mm-hmm. injuries and some of them aren't, and everyone in the audience sort of like gasped, like, no, they're not. They're all doing the same class, mm-hmm. but they're not all having the same experience of that class. Exactly. That class even if they're all performing at the same level, some of them might be resting on their laurels at that level. Exactly. Some of them are are hanging on for dear life. Like, please make this end. I am, I am holding on just trying to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, specificity is another issue. Um, that, that actually I think weight training can be good for because by nature it, is specific to that person's um, capacity. So Absolutely. you're not saying, okay, we're all going to do 16 jumps from first. Right. You're going to say, well, you're going to do eight deadlifts with mm-hmm. this much weight, and you're going to do six with that much weight, and that's just the nature of that kind of training. Or we're all going to do 10. Your weight is 75, your mm-hmm. weight is 95, your weight is 130. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the load. It doesn't matter that number. It just matters how you're at your max. That you're your at your you're or... you're in this range of your max. That by the end of those three sets, you've completely fatigued the muscle. Yeah. You know, and that that's what's important. And that is interesting when we think about dance. We don't ever change our exercises in the room. I mean, we do like if something if you're challenge, or you can do it on take releve. it on relevé. But <laughs> but that really doesn't decrease the stress on the body. Right. Um, Especially when we're thinking even contemporary forms where we're, where we're, you know, diving and rolling and over. And I mean, there's Mm no, I I mean, I often either go to the floor or you don't. Right. I oftentimes give if you're uncomfortable, but I realize, I mean, I'm guilty. If, you know, if you're uncomfortable rolling over your shoulder or taking this inversion, this is the simpler version, but it's not the whole scope of the exercise is not simpler. Just that one moment is simpler. Right. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, well, this has been a really valuable conversation. We kind of went Lots of different places. <laughs> um, and you can learn more about Lindsay from the Slippery Rock website. Yes, so, Slippery Rock um, University website. And again, that's um, Lindsay Fisher Viatori. 
And thank you so much for chatting thank with us. Thank you. And I hope that we get to take class again soon. That I was know. an unusual encounter. It was wonderful. So right. nice to see you again. Thanks, Lindsay. On behalf of Marissa and myself, Ellie Kushner, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast to subscribe. We'll be releasing bi-monthly episodes with an emphasis on exploring 360 degrees of health and wellness for dancers. Have questions or want to get in touch? Email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.